Hello everyone, and welcome to Discussions and Dragons, the podcast where my brother and I take an in-depth look at the world of 5e and all things Dungeons and Dragons. Opening and closing music credit to Will Savino at patreon.com slash musicd20. I'm Jaren. And I'm Britton. And this week, we are taking a mid-book break from our review of the content in Tasha's Cauldron of Everything to talk about Session Zero, what it is and why you have it, things we think are vital to include in the Session Zero, and lastly, one or two things we definitely want to see in our next one. Yeah, so just like Jaren had said, we're talking about Session Zeros, and something that I thought was really important this week was to get some more perspectives, not just mine and Jaren's, about especially Session Zeros. So I want to bring in a personal friend of mine, as you can probably tell by the title of this week's episode, we are featuring uh, Jamel. He is my personal DM for one of my Sunday games and a really close friend of mine. So say hello, Jamel. How are you today? Hey, Britton. Uh, I'm doing great. Again, uh, my name's Jamel. Um, I'll just give a quick rundown of why Britton invited me. So I've been playing uh, D&D for about seven years now, maybe six. I, I think seven, though, and I've been DMing for about four of those. Um, pretty much nonstop with some short campaigns and some major campaigns as well. Uh, and thanks uh, to Britton and Jaren for having me. Yeah, of course. And um, at least from my experience of knowing you, you do a lot of um, homebrew campaigns, right? I, I noticed we haven't done too many of the book campaigns. You definitely enjoy writing a lot of homebrew. Yes, um, I am a writer pretty much in my free time. I, I write like bad scripts and <laughs> all sorts of things. Uh, so as soon as I started playing d and I was like, okay, I, I knew I wanted to tell my own stories in my own world. Um, you know, and sometimes it works out great. Sometimes you're like, okay, that was a pretty bad world. I'll start over. But yeah, I do like uh, the, the homebrew stuff. So that flows right into session zeros and starting a campaign and a lot of things being in the air, a lot of moving parts. Jaren, could you go ahead and remind our listeners, if they are experienced D&D players, what a session zero is and maybe introduce this sort of topic for people who are new to D&D? Yeah, so I, I like to think, uh, generally speaking, session zero, it's that session before you actually start the campaign. It's a bit of a house meeting um, where the DM, the players can get together and, and agree on some certain frameworks and what the game's going to be, uh, some certain social guidelines that we're all going to agree on. Um, and then hopefully at the end, we uh, get to actually do some role playing and, and uh, do a little of, uh, of, of playing the game. Um, it's, it's important. I, I think uh, it's a chance for players to either uh, buy in and, and agree that, yeah, this is, this is the game I want to play. We're all on board with this set of rules or opt out. Right. So if they find out um, right up front that maybe this isn't the kind of game that I want to play or there's some certain special rules that are going to be used that I'm, I'm not really on board with. Uh, that way we're not getting, you know, weeks and potentially months down the road and then finding out that this isn't what I wanted to do. We just let them know and, and figure that out right up front. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. I think um, for me as a player, um, for a mostly player, I've DM'd, I think, once in my life. Um, but as a player, I think uh, Session Zero is also, um, from a player's perspective, it's a free trial period for players to test drive the people that are in the campaign, especially if they're if they're new people to the friend group or um, if they are an established member of a friend group to see if they play well with others um, and see if they actually want to be a part of a campaign. Um, I'm not sure if 
too many people agree with this statement here, but I believe that a session zero should be a judgment-free area for both players and DMs to decide if they'd like to move forward with the people that they've selected or the people that they have. I know um, a friend of mine had told me kind of a horror story about how he had the session zero and he as the DM realized he did not vibe with any of the players and it was not what he signed up for and didn't actually want to be a part of that. So he had to unfortunately bow out. They had to find a new DM, but it was, you know, at least that period of where he can say as a DM, I, I really don't vibe with these people and I'm sorry, but I, at least we know this now. That's a really good point. It's a, it's a, a chance for the DM to kind of make that decision too. A DM is a player too, and they get to have a say uh, and, and figure out if not only is this the, the rules we want to agree to, but do we have a good social chemistry? Yeah, I agree. Um, a session zero is is not just for the players. It's for everybody involved. It's a boon really to set that tone, to get to know each other. Like, hey, do we vibe? Or um, I want to play this kind of game. What kind of game do you guys want to play? It's making sure that everyone fits. It's it's really the first start of building a little community. Yeah, and I think it's a really fun opportunity for especially people that don't know each other. You know, I, I love the camaraderie, depending on your your Dungeons and Dragons group, but we generally like to bring beer and snacks and make a, a day out of it. Some session zeros I know are finish up rolling. Yeah, I know picking spells, especially new people who are uh, spellcasters. I know Jamel, uh, someone in our group, was completely new to D&D, and she picked a bard out of all classes <laughs> that has so many features and spells, but it was nice to sit down with her and you as a DM tell her how you're going to interact with her and um, describe her spells and us as players saying, hey, we'll help you out. We know that you're new, so we're totally going to help you out. And it it, belt, it built rather such a really nice sense of community, like you said. Yeah, and it really, I think, comforted her because she had never played D&D before. Like she knew she wanted to play, but she wasn't quite sure of how everything worked. And I think our table, you know, that session zero everyone being so welcoming, everyone being like, okay, this is generally, because everyone else was a pretty um, experienced player with me, being like, this is kind of how mm -hmm. Jamel DMs, and this is the stuff he does, and, and we think these opportunities with spells will help help you, but also, you know, like, pick what you feel is best for the character, and we all got to sit around and, you know, we didn't go into deep backstory stuff with our characters, I think we like for that to be in, in world, but we did kind of give a rundown of like, alright, this is how my character um, acts in battle. This is maybe how they RP a little bit just to make her feel comfortable. And I think that is all, you know, a part of that session zero feeling of really setting the tone and being like, this is what we're going to do as a group. Um, and it's about getting everyone on the same page. Yes. Communication and uh, being on the same page is so important, especially when it comes to um, some people that aren't familiar or have too much experience with acting or role play, especially when you're at a table. I know obviously now times are a little bit different. Either we're doing over Zoom calls or just Discord calls or voice calls or what have you. Um, that RP is lost a little bit. But when you're at a table and you are looking somebody in the eyes and you are getting into RP, some people might mistake that for reality, especially if you're not a, like comfortable or familiar with the aspects of role play. And I think being able to establish that early on of like, this is kind of how my character is. I'm sorry if anything comes off this way. We're all just playing and having fun. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, I think that's a really good point um, that, you know, while this is a, a meeting to talk about some guidelines, 
it is fun too, and that's another reason we have these session zeros. Is uh, it's it's a good chance we're kind of like getting into some of the things that we want to have in those. Um, but it's a it's a time for players to collaborate and and talk as a team about like uh, who's gonna play what, and maybe a little bit of party composition. And you can get excited about that and say, oh, you're gonna take that, you're gonna play a bard. That's really awesome. I'm playing this. We're gonna work really well together. Um, there's a chance to get excited about that and, and talk about the, the upcoming sessions. I'm so glad you said uh, collaborate because I think that is really one of the big keys of it. Um, like you are, we're all at this group meeting to get together. And, and, I, and I'm and i a really big proponent of collaborating for the story as well of being like, oh, you're going to be a bard? What? Uh, well, I'm being, uh, you know, uh, I'm kind of this fighter. Like maybe I'm your bodyguard. And like people can establish backstories together and things like that and, and bounce off each other at that session zero, which I think is really uh, fun and cool to do. And it's something that, you know, it's hard to fill in later. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then boom, right there, you've got some immediate, uh, somewhat of a, I wouldn't say a backstory, but you already right off the bat have some reason why you guys are sticking together and can build off of that. Oh, you're that person's bodyguard. Um, so that means we've been traveling for a bit. Where did we come from? You know, there's already... Uh, a bit of a cue um, to talk about some sort of uh, backstory together if you want to. Exactly. And that can be a really nice assist for people who are potentially new to the table if they have, you know, someone that's already got their back that will not just leave them or leave their character in the dust to die from <laughs> a stray Eldritch Blast or something like that. You know, you you feel a little bit more okay about not knowing what to do because you've got somebody that's gonna help you yeah dnd is much like zelda where it's dangerous to go alone um you, mm -hmm. should, you should bring a friend so so yeah let's uh talk about some specifics guys so um we, we established like what exactly it, it is and uh some reasons why it's important to have and some things to get excited about it um so I, i've kind of broken this down into a few different categories um the things that i definitely include in, my, in, a, in a session zero, we want to talk about from the DM's perspective, what sort of uh, specific rules are we going to be using? What, what mechanics are we definitely using? What, so how are we ruling certain things? Um, to give an example, are we only allowing officially licensed content for character creation? Are we allowing homebrew stuff, um, unearthed arcana content? You know, are we using optional rules like feats? Feats are technically an option. You don't have to use them. Um, are we talking about uh, like the standard rules for for long rest? Or are we using gritty realism where there's, you know, a long rest is actually a full week? You know, that could be something that turns a player off right away, and it's good to know that uh, right up front. Um, any other special homebrew rules? Um, I, I have some more, but you guys have anything to add uh, thus far? I don't know if I do. Well, I do um, like a lot of homebrew items as well, so that's definitely something that I want to establish to the players of like, hey, is there some kind of magical thing that you want later on? Because um, it might not be in my game or it, it might. Um, so I like to definitely talk to players beforehand to kind of see what what they're hoping for. And that way I can tell them right then or there, like, I, I don't really do that in my game or I do or, hey, I don't, but that sounds fun and maybe I can incorporate it. It's definitely good to get what kind of um, goals the players have early on. That way you can choose, you know, whether to incorporate them or not. Yeah, absolutely. And definitely spells as well. Um, I know I like to try to create spells or create effects. Um, and knowing if that's something that the DM is willing to collaborate on 
is is great if they are and if not um not getting upset about it because it, it's a at the end of the day i know this is a talking point we're going to talk about about boundaries um mm-hmm. knowing what not only other players are okay with but also your dm so i think it's also important it's just Actually, I would say it's just as important for players to bring things to the table to their session zero. Any questions, any comments, concerns to the DM so they can have that open discussion beforehand. Um, I know, Jamel, you are generally pretty okay when it comes to spells. Um, I know I've come to you with like an effect or a spell and we talk about it. We talk about, does this originate from another spell? Let's look on a chart and see um, if it's too much power front-loaded as a lower-end spell. And try to work together and create a spell because at the end of the day dungeons and dragons is all made up it is all in our heads so why do we think that this book of spells here is the only magic that exists yeah i i, I agree with that so much um i can't remember where i heard it from but years ago maybe it was uh, one of my players maybe um years ago were just like i don't know if this is all the spells i think it's just the most popular spells and i was like yeah that makes so much sense to me so i'm i'm, I'm a big you know, believer in like, if you bring an idea to the table that I think is cool, I will do everything in my power to help that idea fly and for us to get it in the game. Um, but some DMs are different and that's, you know, and that's fine too. I- I've definitely played in games where it was raw rules, only the spells in the book, and I still had a great time playing. Yeah, absolutely. And and that that can be maybe um, a good suggestion if, you know, you're a newer DM and, and don't want a whole lot of uh, to worry about balance and things like that. You might say, well, we're only just, just for my own sanity, we're only going to stick to the officially established licensed content that's been tested. Uh, so just know that up front, and hopefully everyone's okay with that. Yeah. I, I honestly think that's a good idea for first time DMS is, is don't be afraid to stick close to the book. Um, learn those basic rules. And then, you know, once you learn those rules, you can break them. You can do what you feel yeah. more comfortable with, but it's it's not a bad idea to start with something like that straight from the book. Something that I actually saw on a TikTok <laughs> of all places, uh, a DM was talking about his experience with his players and what he considered a toxic player to be walking into a tavern and say, okay, I want to seduce this person or all right, I'm going to talk to this person. Do I seduce them? And was like immediately had their dice in their hand ready to roll. I think that's another thing that perhaps DMs should bring up with their players is how they will be doing skill checks and saving throws. Um, I know that at least as a player, I like to tell my DM, I would like to do this. And then the DM can either say how impossible that is by saying the the fun phrase, well, you can certainly try. Mm-hmm. Or you know, giving me the the role of this is your chance. It's letting them know it's a high check, but this is your chance to do so if you'd like to. Versus I know some DMs can be very like, I don't want this to happen. This is not going to happen. I flat out, I'm not going to ask you to roll. Yeah, I, I, I get that. I, I mean, I, I can see why they would do that. But I I think, again, that just comes down to preference. Uh, um, you know, and, and each DM is going to be different. For instance, for me, if you and I tell my players pretty early on session zero, let them know, like, I, you know, I generally like RP heavy games. Um, if you want to do something, tell me about it. And I will probably be like, OK, let's RP that even if it's a quick moment. And my players generally are, are down for that. But for sometimes you're going to get players that are more spectators that just kind of want to roll and don't really want to uh, RP. And that's fine as well. Um, and same for DMs. I 
I don't know if I would describe that as a problem player. It's just a different style of playing. Very much so. Um, and and yeah, that I think maybe that could have been uh, that situation could have been assuaged or even avoided completely with maybe a strong boundary set on their session zero. Yep, that's that seems to me like that situation. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that seems like something that could have been avoided if they had laid those ground rules first. Um, And so that's why, honestly, I'm I'm really really glad that we started talking about session zeros when we did. Um, There are there is some content in Tasha's, um, but I think the idea of a session zero should be more explored and more talked about when starting a campaign. Because I know people can get so, so excited about, I've just bought this book, I'm so excited, I'm going to run it, everyone let's jump into this, let's climb that mountain and fight the dragon. But moments like that can cause a lot of friction between players and DMs. Yeah, and it's, it's going to get that out of the way um, before those problems arise, right? Um, but on the topic of uh, those sort of skill checks and dice rolls and things like that, um, another specific game mechanic to uh, get out of the way up front is how we're handling uh, critical successes. You know, I, I know like for myself and a lot of DMs roll it this way. Uh, we roll that, you know, in combat critical successes, you automatically get the full damage roll and then you roll again. You know, that's that's contrary to what the rules as written are, but it's good to know that up front. It's a bit of a double-edged sword because that also means that all the enemies are also getting that as well. But um, it's good to establish that up front. Um, we're going to talk about uh, how we're handling leveling. Is this a, an experience, uh, an XP-based campaign? We're running, keeping track of points, or is this more milestone? And um, I, I don't, actually don't know many campaigns anymore that run on experience points because it's kind of a lot to keep track of. But maybe your campaign wants to do that. And it is kind of fun to know as a player, like, oh, I'm almost to the next level. I'm been keeping track of how much XP I've gained over the last three or four sessions. Uh, I know most campaigns, I think, nowadays are simply milestones. Um, but, you know, good to establish that up front. I am actually doing an XP campaign right now. Really? Um, it's the first time I've ever done it, um, and I just wanted to give it a shot. And I love it um, because of the surprise from players. Because um, I, I, I don't tell them the XP, and they have, you know, sometimes they'll fight a crazy monster and not level up. And it's like, oh, wow, okay. I thought we, you know, I thought that was going to be it. And then uh, one of them will pickpocket a, a certain bandit, and it's like, hey, boom, you guys did it. And I kind of love that shock and surprise oh, from the players. Um, it's interesting. I, I've done it both ways, milestone and leveling up. And, and now I'm, I, I couldn't tell you which one is my favorite now. And it's kind of funny that you mentioned that, uh, me being in that game, I had no clue that you were doing XP leveling, which is nice that the way that you've done it, it doesn't feel like XP. It, I think milestone is fun. Um, but I also think if you play it right, your XP leveling could feel like milestone. Uh, that's that's really good to know. Um, it just worked out that like the last time you guys leveled up, I think it was after a long rest, and it was like, oh, we we you know you you wake up feeling <laughs> well rested and stronger than you did the day before. You know, and sometimes it just works out. But All that work it's, is it's, paid off. I'm glad you. I'm glad it's turning out that way for you. Yeah, <laughs> <That's funny. laughs> I woke up and I can attack twice now. Yeah, awesome. <laughs> you figured it out. Your dreams out. You did it. <laughs> um, anyways, continuing on, I'd like to uh, address um, how I'm going to handle encumbrance. This is something that I, I kind of just directly stole from my session zero uh, almost a year ago. Um, but we established, you know, that 
generally speaking, I wasn't going to ask players to keep a fine-tooth comb on their encumbrance to the point to where, you know, they have to keep track of the weight of a single arrow, and if they go over, then they're considered encumbered. Um, just, I gave them that uh, that knowledge up front with the caveat of don't abuse it. You know, if you're attempting to stuff a bunch of boulders into your pack, we might have to have a conversation. But, you know, it's that's another thing that's good to know up front. Our player is going to be asked to really keep track of that. You know, or is it sort of a, a loose thing? Or are we just saying, like, encumbrance is completely off the table, carry as much as you want, and bags of holding are simply for flavor? Uh, right. That Yeah, that's... Uh, uh, I think that's the reason why I do... Kind of, I'm a stickler for some of that stuff. Um, but I but I also understand not being at all, because when I play a video game and, and I am weighing... I'm carrying too much stuff, I always get angry. I'm always like, this is not fun. Um, yeah. But sometimes with D&D, I'm like, there's, the reason I want encumbrance to matter is because the bag of holding exists, and I want that to mean mm-hmm. something to you guys. Um, same, like, I can be a stickler as well for things that I know a lot of DMs don't really do spell components anymore. Um, but I have, like, a strict, like, once you're above level six, or once you're uh, casting above level six spells, you have to have components for that. Like, that magic's too strong in in, in my game um, to do it yeah. without components. So. I just, that's another good thing to establish up front. If someone is planning on playing a spellcaster, they know that going into the game. Oh, yeah. I, I That was one of the few things I'm proud of for this Session Zero was being like, hey, once you guys start casting high-level magic, you're going to go to stores. You're going to have to buy all this stuff. Like, pe- save your money for that. Yeah. Um, speaking of money, uh, I like to establish how I'm going to handle currency in the game. You know, I, I, I'm, our player is going to have to go and find change and break down a gold piece so that they can, you know, have silver pieces instead. Or is it just being treated interchangeably? It's just all part of the same pool. You know, is a 50 gold piece gemstone something they're going to have to go and sell to get that money? Or is it just more for flavor and that's just money? Um, what about those art pieces that are worth money? Do they have to try to sell those? Or is there, are those just more for fun flavor as well? Um, something to, to consider. I know for my current campaign we're running um storm king's thunder and i i knew that that sort of thing likely wasn't going to be a major part of the narrative so i simply said hey money is money if you want to role play and try to get a better deal on these gemstones we can do that otherwise just count it as money and we won't really worry about it but maybe you're running the kind of campaign where you do want to do that or this uh, players would rather have that and um, we can establish that up front in the session zero i that is exactly what happens uh, what's happening in our game right now normally i'm just like you where i'm like i don't want to role play money very much i don't find it that interesting you know if you you can if you get it you can spend it anywhere and right now i'm doing the exact opposite i don't know why i'm doing it this way but but it's it's caused some fun things of like if you have a gemstone you need to find a wizard or like you know maybe go to like my dwarven nation uh where they're they have mines and see where you can sell this at um and the same for like art pieces it's like the you know, the person running the general store doesn't sell art. They don't. They don't want it. They sell nails and things like that. You know. Mm-hmm. So sometimes it cre- it can create really fun RP opportunities, but sometimes it can bog down the game. Yeah, absolutely. And there are some things that require those specific gemstones with a gold value attached to it. Um, just to kind of call back to some things that we've covered in previous episodes, uh, there are some new summon spells in uh, Tasha's Cauldron of Everything that require a very specific. Uh, type of gold value item. Some of those are, are gemstones. Some of them are, are really strange items. And I know there's some other spells in the player's handbook that require gemstones of a certain value. So, you know, there are certain situations where you you 
do want to treat those like the, the actual thing. Um, so maybe this is less of a, a hard rule, but more of a generally speaking, how are we going to treat money and, and, you know, your gold, silver, and copper coins? I think every DM uh, ever in the past, like, five years in their session zeros have probably just said, um, screw it, we're not doing Electrum because it's dumb. <laughs> I know. We have copper, silver, gold, and platinum. Well, next campaign, we're having an Electrum-only campaign. <laughs> Good luck, players. Good luck. It's not interchangeable. If I was better at math, I'd have Electrum. But I'm like, I can't break. I don't, I don't want to figure this out. Who cares? No, not at all. And then uh, the last point I had on here, and feel free to add to this, um, I like to talk about uh, generally is the campaign just going to be let the dice fall as they may, and if players die, that's part of the narrative? Um, or are we generally trying to make this such that, uh, you know, we're all trying to be a part of this story and finish it, and, you know, we'll try to avoid character deaths, um, you know, unless you guys are really abusing it and playing like you're invincible. You know, is this something that we're going to talk about uh, out of game before it happens? You know, um, I know that it can be satisfying. Like if a character, if a player is like really not digging the class they're playing and they want to write it off in some way, you know, maybe I, as the DM, we'll talk about that outside of the game. And not that I'm going to plan to kill them off, but, you know, I might more allow that to happen in the game so that it gives them a reason to, you know, or unless they want to just simply, you know, narratively write them off and bring in something else. But um, I, I think it's... Uh, a good conversation to have at the session zero, how we're going to approach that, you know, if player deaths are player deaths and if it's narratively satisfying, we'll let it happen. Um, if, if it TPKs, that just is because you guys were getting in over your heads despite all the warning signs, or are we approaching it in a way that's like, generally speaking, I'm going to try to not kill you guys, but just don't abuse it. That to me is one of the, one of the most important things of a session zero is, is establishing whether or not players can die or characters can die rather. And, you know, talking it through like, Hey, I, whenever I start a new campaign, I let my players know, like I, I generally am fine with killing characters. Um, it happens rarely, but you know, don't be shocked if it happens to you. Um, I'm also fine with players wanting to switch characters in the middle of a campaign. Like if you're not having fun, I want you to. Um, so that's fine. Like we can work things out where you bring in a new character um, I, I've never come across a TPK, even with my I'm okay with killing characters policy because I give warnings and I'm and, you know, like you can run in a fight. That's something I tell my players in session zero. It's like if something is overwhelming, run like don't be afraid to get out of dodge like everyone has to retreat sometimes. Um, yeah, but I couldn't imagine being a player in a, in a game where that wasn't discussed. And then this character that you worked on for so long, you know, let's say you you've been this character for half a year and then they die and you didn't know that was a possibility, that would be devastating. It's something you have to talk about in session zero, I think. Yeah, absolutely. That's a good point too about, you know, letting players know that deaths might happen. Running is an option. I think it's really easy in D and D to you know, assume that every conflict can be solved by a combat. All we got to do is kill the bad guys and we're good. You know, it's less considered that running is an option and that was definitely something that we uh, covered in the Storm King Session Zero was um, some of these encounters might be pretty intense. You might need to think strategically or else, you know, simply get out of there and avoid them if you can. Um, the party largely hasn't encountered those yet. I'll just say with caveat, yet. Mm -hmm. <laughs> 
they're coming. They yeah. possibly might be coming, yes. And I think that's actually a really good segue into our next section about social contracts. What is okay and what's not okay. Um, and having that quick or lengthy conversation from a DM to a player, what they're going to include that could possibly be a trigger for their players. And to me, this is the most important part of a session zero. Um, I don't ever want a player leaving my game feeling disrespected or shocked or just, you know, I I want everyone to have fun on my games. I don't want anyone to leave feeling gross, um, feeling like they were abused in some way. You have to establish what boundaries people have. If you're comfortable talking about it at all, if not, like, should this be in the game even a little bit? Uh, Is it okay if it's in the periphery? Or a hard no, and I think as a DM and as a player, you have to accept those hard no's, or this isn't the group for you. Yeah, I absolutely agree. Um, certain topics, you know, um, I I pretty much across the board established we're gonna avoid some some of those more like sexually oriented uh, content. You know, if you wanna if you wanna say that you try to seduce a, a, somebody at the bar roll for it and i'll just say that that happens but we're not going to role play that out this is not the kind of game that i want to run um we're going to avoid anything that's within that realm um that could possibly be triggering i'll just say um i think you kind of know where we're going i don't need to spell it out but um we're going to avoid all those sorts of things anything that has to do with um you know shaming somebody for a certain thing or uh, I know we're, we're talking about like a fantasy world where there are different races that aren't humans, but let's avoid anything that is is in the realm of D&D still racist. Let's still just straight up avoid all that stuff, right? Yeah, I that's um, something that I had to kind of, even though I'm a person of color, that's something I had to kind of um, adapt as I played in my, in my, I think now my actual like last session, I did a Western style campaign. And there was a lot of racism involved. And, you know, and we talked about it beforehand and my players were fine with it. But afterwards, after we finished that campaign, I was kind of like, I don't, I didn't need it. You know, it just kind of exhausted me um, doing it. And I I don't want to anymore. So now my world is like, we don't, you know, like I have a giant city in my world where everyone lives together. And like the orcs, some orcs live in the mansions, you know, like they have like, like they are rich and, and everyone's fine with that. People... There's no discrimination based on uh, gender, race, or creed in my games. I just don't... I I find that we can tell great stories without it. Um, I don't have certain kinds of assault in my game. It just doesn't exist in my world. I know it is a fantasy world, and in my world, I don't want that to exist. I don't want to RP it. I don't want to offend anyone with it. So, you know, I I think it's... A Session Zero is a, a, a great place to set those hard limits of, like, this is in my world, this is not in my world, this cannot happen... I'm sorry. I, I just don't want. I don't want it to stress me out or to stress yeah. anyone else out. I, I agree. And uh, while you mentioned that, um, this is a fantasy world, and you you could absolutely include uh, some of the things that are more typically of like a Western themed nature without all those other things. It is. It's fantasy. You can make it up. It's your own world. Oh yeah. Looking back, I, I definitely could have done similar stories without. Um, bigotry and racism or xenophobia i could have told better stories and and that's something i had to get better as a dm and also as a person like i you know i'm i'm older now than i was when i started that campaign Mm -hmm. i know a little bit more i'm a better storyteller now 
and I don't need to rely on those those tropes. But I think, especially if you're a new DM listening, always just, you know, and it's your comfort level and your player's comfort level, but if that's something that you don't want in your game, just think a little bit more, and you will find that better angle, that better story without it. Yeah, it's it's almost like a situation of low-hanging fruit where you know this is a this is a good hook for to get you know an emotional response out of people but at the end of the day are you hooking them for the emotional response or are you hooking them for the narrative storytelling purposes and honestly i think with um different limits and especially you know everybody's different everyone is going to have limits that are okay and not okay and i think that i think that having those boundaries is really important and knowing the intensity of those boundaries I know that some people are familiar with the term hard boundary and soft boundary, and I think that is a good way to describe some people's intensity of their boundaries. You know, a, a like a soft boundary for me would be um, like verbal assault and um, like verbal trauma to a character of mine. It's something that's happened to me in my past. I've worked through that, and that's something that I'm okay with happening in a fantasy setting, but explicit uh, conversations about rape that's a hard limit for me i don't want to talk about it i would prefer it if that was not a part of the world and that's something that i think some players are more okay with um speaking on some subjects like that and some players are just not so i think being able to respect the hard boundaries while also addressing the soft boundaries with your players maybe a session beforehand say hey i'm not going to spoil something about the story this character exists or this thing exists, can we still move forward? Yeah, if you're not sure, just talk to your players. That's It's just got to be a quick conversation. Just make sure everyone is feeling okay with going forward if you're not sure about a specific topic. 100%. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Jaren, I know you previously said that you had something in one of your games that was coming up that you were concerned about and you asked the players beforehand and you guys avoided that and that was really cool to hear for me because I'm like, okay, that help that helps me in the future. Like if I have something that I'm worried about now, I'm like, okay, I can handle it the way Jaren did it. I'm just gonna bring this up and be like, what do we think? Should we not do this? Like, is anyone gonna be uncomfortable? Um, and, and I would encourage uh, players and DMs definitely find out what works best for you to kind of flag these situations. I know that there are like some uh, card systems that way you don't have to talk about it at all, where you can just hold up a red card. Like I am just completely uncomfortable with this. I can't even talk about it. So, you know, just find the system that works best for you. Yeah, definitely. And I think coming from a a player's perspective, um, I would like to say to all of my fellow players, um, give your DMs a break. They are humans just like everyone else. Um, They may have all the books and they may have their DM screen and all of their NPC pages, but they are not God. They do not know what you are thinking. They do not know everything. So as much as DMs should initiate that conversation, players should be receptive to that conversation and should also initiate a conversation as much as DMs because it it is all about communication back and forth between the DM and player to narratively create the best story that you can together and have fun so i think as a player i think we do need to be a little bit more vigilant when it comes to um topics that are not okay or topics that are a harder soft boundary not getting so reactionary and bringing that up first and making that first step to talk to your dms communication is the key absolutely yeah Um, i am not a perfect person if 
if I bring up something that someone's uncomfortable with, please flag me. And, and I'm sure most DMs would feel that way. All right. Well, um, I think we've talked uh, quite extensively on the seriousness, the, the more heavier topics uh, within this category of the social contract. Um, one thing I, I definitely uh, want to bring up, um, kind of moving uh, on, is I guess it's more or less the tone of the type of sessions we're going to have. You know, is this the after work game where we're okay with just screwing around and joking around and, um, you know, in-game memes and stuff like that? If that is, that's totally fine. That's I'm not saying that's uh, any better or worse type of game. Or is this the more serious, let's try to treat this with some uh, some weight and try to bring it in and, and play in character? Um, I, I add this in because I specifically have been in a campaign uh, that I didn't realize was a bit more a little bit more loose with it. And we would oftentimes go on, you know, tangents of a meme for about 10 minutes. And I just sat back on the Discord just bored because I wanted to play the game. That's the, I wanted to play something a little more serious and the narrative, the narrative was treated with some weight to it. So I like to, and it, it's, it's going to be difficult because not everybody wants to play the exact same style of game. There's got to be some sort of compromise middle ground, but it's good to agree on what that middle ground is uh, right off the bat. For sure. You, I, I think establishing tone is a, is a, a really huge part of session zero of like, what kind of game are we playing? Um, like you said, are we going to be serious? Are we going to be goofy? Are we doing monster of the week? Do you want a long campaign um, with a, with an overarching story? Um, you know, like what kind of roles do players want? Um, I think all of that stuff is great to establish in session zero. That way there are no surprises, um, uh, uh, you know, out of the gate. Right. And there's no experience like, like I had, just uh, waiting for us to get back to to the narrative. And I'm not here to be the fun police, but I'm just saying I wanted to have an agreement about what kind of game we were playing. Um, yeah, and, and you're not really being the fun police. You weren't having fun. So, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. you wanted to have more fun, and that's fine. Yeah. Um, another thing, too, that kind of falls under this social contract category, um, and I, I bring this up because it definitely something I didn't realize the first time I ever DM'd, um, we want to just agree on what the session's schedules are, how often we're going to play, how long we're going to play for, how we're handling if people are late or simply missing. And I bring this up a, a little bit of a, a story. My first time ever DMing was actually not this current campaign. It was maybe five, six years ago, right after 5e came out, and the only adventure was the Horde of the Dragon Queen. Not the greatest adventure, but it was the only one at the time. I wanted, wanted to run it for some friends. And my only experience of D&D prior to that was when I was like 19 and that experience was we'd all get together at my friend's house like eight of us we'd stay up all night playing D&D these ridiculously long seven to eight hour sessions you know we'd have a lot of snacks and goofing around we'd take a break play some video games come back play some D&D and when I attended to DM in my mind that's what D&D was was these really long sessions so I tried to DM long sessions right and I got burned out uh, I ran like three sessions that were all five hours long and I got burned out and quit because I didn't realize you as the DM have the ability to set the session length and say, here's what I can output for you guys. Three hours is my limit. And hopefully that is something we can all agree to. Um, and, and just set that up front. You as the DM have the ability to control what the sessions look like. That is such important advice, especially for new DMs. Do not burn yourself out and fall out of love with the game because you're working too hard at it. 
uh, at the end of the day, this game is about fun. Like, yeah, some of us want to tell like really complicated and intricate stories, but it's all about fun. Don't give yourself another job if you're already overworked and it's not something that you love to do, you know, place those hard boundaries of we're going to play a session every three weeks because that's what I can manage, you know, um, to stay sane. It's, it's absolutely fine to do that. Take a short break if you need. That's also fine. Don't overwork yourself. Yeah, and, and uh, address, like, like I said, how you're going to handle if someone uh, is late or just simply not able to meet that week. Uh, I tend to want to hold the session anyways if it's just one person missing. Um, we'll, you know, figure it out. Um, if, you know... If, five out of six players showed up. I don't want to cancel D&D because someone else had something uh, come up or just, you know, life happened and they forgot about it. You know, I want to uh, still play D&D. And so I like to mention that up front, how we're going to handle that. Let's game plan. Do we have somebody that's willing to um, take over that person's character for the week? You know, are we going to um, still level everybody at the same time, even if someone's missing? Uh, just because we want the party to, you know, if you're doing that sort of milestone-based leveling, are we still going to just say across the board everyone levels if you happen to miss a session? Um, that's that's what I'm doing because I want to keep things all, you know, a little more simplified. Uh, but those are things to uh, to cover within that realm of uh, agreement of session schedules, frequencies, times, how we're handling, you know, people being late, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, r- right now I'm doing a, a, a version where if, if someone is missing we just do a one-off. Um, my main campaign, we established in Session Zero that the tone is kind of serious. You know, we're heavy RP in that campaign. So we'll just do a one-off. And sometimes they're really goofy. Like, um, we just had one where we went and tried to save um, my world's version of Christmas, you know, <laughs> as a one-off. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, th- there are lots of different ways to work around it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, within this realm of the social contract as well, this kind of covers... Uh, the DM and the player expectations, both uh, both ways, right? Uh, what the players can expect from the DM, what the DM is going to set as the expectation from the players. Um, one thing that I wanted to uh, mention, I, I talked about this in my session zero, was um, I set the expectation that players should come ready to take notes, pay attention to names and locations, know how their character works, know what their abilities do, how their spells work, what they do. Um, generally, I'll, I'll try to help out best I can, um, you know, especially if they're a newer player, I'll, I'll try to help out and, and figure out and be specific about how things work, what your character does. But generally, just I like to set the expectation that players should show up ready to be more than spectators. Come with your brain turned on, ready to pay attention. Um, if you need me to repeat names and locations, absolutely stop me and ask. I'm happy to let you know again, even if it's a couple sessions down the road. Hey, what was that thing? What was the name of that place? What was that character, that NPC we met? You know, more than happy to repeat it. Um, I just like to set that expectation that, you know, they should come not wanting to simply watch D&D, but to be a part of it, you know? I'm a little more lenient on that. I definitely uh, get that that point as well, um, where you want everyone to be engaged. I kind of am fine. I, I call it player roles, uh, and I think I got it from someone, uh, maybe Matt Colville, um, um, big in the D&D community. I'm sure everyone listening knows about him. Uh, but he kind of changed my perspective on this. Of Some players, I think, at, at my table are very engaged. For instance, um, Britain um, yes. is, is a very engaged player. Like He 
is always pushing RP forward and challenging me with with new um, story moments that I think are great. But I have some other, but I have other players at the table that do kind of love to spectate more, and they're like, "I'm really here for the action. I love what you guys do, and I'm having fun, but I'm more of a spectator, and that is fine with me." Um, I, I I I definitely get what you mean, Jaron, though, about being engaged. Like if if that player wasn't paying attention and was just kind of on their phone, that's a different thing. Um, but I'm fine with you kind of taking the backseat and watching and really only in, um, sp- like being engaged when a NPC or a player character speaks to you or talks to you directly. I'm fine with that too. I, 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 I can let that slide, but uh, if you were unengaged as, as in not paying attention, I definitely agree where I'd be like, this is, this is not going to work for me. Yeah. You know, and I, I think I set that expectation because I'm, I was brand new. Well, essentially brand new DM at the time. And, um, I knew that I was going to have a lot of things to think about on my end, uh, trying to figure this campaign out by the book and remember locations and remember the overarching narrative so I can kind of tie things together. Uh, remember the the boss fights, what the enemies did. And so I wanted uh, to take a little bit of that responsibility of remembering what everyone else can do and, and put that on, on them. Um, you know, just because, like I said, I, I was new and I wanted to give my brain the most space to memorize, to remember the things that I needed to do. Absolutely. It's, it's not easy. It's not easy at all. Yeah. It, it's, it's become easier over time, but you're right. It's, it's a lot to think about. Um, so yeah, anything else, uh, do you guys wanted to add in this, this sort of section of the social contract, the DM and the player expectations? Um, yeah, there's something, uh, that I think is cool. And I think it fits in this category um, where I love for my players to kind of establish their outside of the game. They're like at the table roles. Um, for instance, uh going to use Britain again. Britain is like our general like note taker and he's not the only person at the player that takes notes, but we'll just be honest and say he's the best at it. So he's got the most detailed <laughs> notes. And so generally like if a player is like, what's this person's name? They can always ask me, but they, they know generally to go to Britain first because I'm probably doing something else and could use the, you know, and, and probably need my brain directed at whatever I'm doing at the moment. So it's like, okay, let me lean over and ask Britain what this was. And he'll have it. Um, we have a person at the table that keeps all the gear. Um, we have a banker uh, for most of the party. Some of the party doesn't want to share their money, and that is also fine with me. But we have a banker for the other players. Um, and I think that's a good time to kind of establish that contract if you're all new to the game and you don't really have any veterans, I know that that's probably something that you're going to discover as you play. But if you do have those vets, I think it's, it's a good idea to kind of establish that right away. Yeah. Cause I mean, I, I would agree with everything that you said. And, um, you know, some people just really don't like taking notes because they want to be engaged. They don't have to want to have to worry about taking notes. And I think it, it takes the pressure off of players to feel like they have to do everything. As much as the DM is literally doing everything, each player, I feel like, has to feel like, all right, I'm in charge of all of my knowledge, all of my money, all of my inventory, and everything like that. And being able to divide that up, because we're all carrying this narrative on our backs. Mm -hmm. And if someone is slacking a little or someone doesn't want to have some other responsibility, someone else can pick up that responsibility or say, hey... I don't actually really like having the bag of holding. Would you like it? Would your character hold on to this and be responsible for that? I'll keep all the money or I'll take the notes, you know? So I, I've actually, you know, that's something that 
maybe because we've played in your campaign for so long that I haven't noticed now because it's kind of been a smooth transition of, oh yeah, I know this person does this, this person's got the money, I take the notes. Um, and I guess maybe that might be something that in a future session zero, if somebody wants to bring that up, that'd be a, a totally fine thing with me. I like that idea of player roles. Yeah, and I find that it makes, um, it, it kind of helps players stay engaged as well. Like if I am talking about um, you guys getting paid a certain amount, I know that a certain player at our table is going to perk up because they're like, okay, let me start getting my math ready. Let me get, figure out what we're going to do. I kind of want to negotiate more because they are the out-of-game banker. It's now kind of influenced their character. Um, yeah, I, I, I love that stuff. And I think that's, you know, if it's something that you know about beforehand, I definitely think you can throw it into a session zero. For sure. All right, continuing on, getting to the more the the fun parts of the the sessions here. We're talking a lot of meeting stuff so far and logistics and and whatnot. Um, but if if you've not already done so, this is definitely the time to, as a group, you can roll up characters. You know, I think roll, it's more baby. common. Heck yeah, I think it's more common to do this um, if we're playing in person. Um, a lot of uh, groups, I think these days, if we're doing it online. Uh, D&D Beyond is such a great tool for rolling up a character and getting that out of the way. Um, certainly, it could be done online together as well. Um, it's a chance for you as the group maybe to talk about party composition, um, talk about uh, you know how your characters are going to work together. And, and Jamel, you brought this up before. Um, you know, Once you're talking about who's taking what class or, or what sort of uh, you know background or, or thing that they're good at, maybe you can work on uh, a bare minimum of a backstory, how you guys actually uh, know each other already and uh, have been traveling for a while together. Um, on, on the note of uh, getting uh, characters planned, it, I think it's a good time to talk about uh, a, a little bit of, of the campaign and the setting, uh, what races and classes uh, or languages, skills, etc., are going to be particularly useful or, or less useful for this particular campaign and setting as you're making your character. Um, what sort of backgrounds or or classes actually make sense for the campaign depending on where the world is um you know what sort of campaign specific equipment are, is going to be good to start with uh, i know right now i'm i'm prepping to run rhyme of the frost maiden and there's some campaign specific equipment that is definitely vital that's a a, a a campaign that takes place in the far northern reaches of Faerun, up in these very snowy, cold mountains, and uh, you know gives you the optional gear that is particularly good for cold weather. And I think Session Zero, while you're rolling up characters, figuring out your equipment, I think it's a good time to figure that out and, and see if you want to actually buy some setting-specific equipment so you can start right away with that cold weather gear and set of snowshoes, for example. Exactly. Um, is there you might any... want to ask Jaren about some snowshoes. Yes. Uh, is there any sort of um, other special items or uh, magic items that you can pick right off the bat as you're making your characters? And I, I like that you said languages earlier because, um, you know, I would say sometimes some players very much want their characters to be unique. And it's like, all right, I'm this high elf, but I also speak abyssal and celestial and draconic. And it's like, that's very cool. But maybe your DM's like, we're not going to be going to the lower planes. Yeah, You're not going to be meeting gonna come a celestial. Everywhere. Maybe pick these languages. So these are the languages that are most prevalent that I will more than likely be using. Yeah, I agree. Particularly brought that the languages one up because um, as we are running Storm Kings, um, 
this is a setting where there's lots of giants, right? And it, it specifically said, hey, it's a good idea if at least one character speaks giant, because a lot of these giants don't speak common. It might be useful if at least one person can understand them. Yeah, for sure. I, I definitely believe in like, you know, I, I want to let my players know whether or not uh, something's going to be useful before they take it. I, I don't want you to get in the game and be like, oh man, I could speak Celestial and it never came up ever. Um, I want you to have fun and to be able to use the stuff that you selected. So I, I, I definitely in my session zero, I'm kind of like, even if I don't want to give major details of what my story will entail, I am definitely like, you guys, you know, you don't really have any wizards in your party. I don't think anyone's going to be summoning any devils this campaign. You know, like you probably don't need to speak infernal. Um, I definitely think a nudge in the right direction on that is, is, is good for a session zero. Um, I also like to use it. You were talking about items earlier. This is where I kind of encourage my players to really, you know, because my, my world generally is homebrewed. I want, you know, players to know that, Hey, they can come to me with a crazy idea and there might be a way to make it work. And that includes items. So not necessarily a magic item, but if you have a weapon that you've seen a picture of or something that you want to kind of fit in the game, talk to me about it before we start our session zero and, and I'll try to make it for you. You know, I'll try to get it in the world to where it's not overpowered, but you have this cool item that is unique to you. Like maybe you come from an Island where no one else is from and you want this tool that you guys use there. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I think um, in my, my previous character, I had really wanted him to have like these throwing needles that essentially would just be like a D4 dagger or a dart with that sort of long and short range. Um, and it was just, hey, can I can I flavor a dagger as this? I will have to go get them specially made because this is not something that is uh, normally seen. But I have the silver for this. Can I go do this? Yeah, which to me, I'm like, yeah, absolutely. Why not? It doesn't hurt anything. It just makes your character more unique and and you know more special to you. And I, that's what I want. I want people to be invested in their characters. So. I love that. I, I love that stuff. I'm like, please tell, bring me your weird items, your, your crazy outfits. We, there's odds are we can figure out a way to make it work in the game and make it work with the lore of the world. And I think that's a very important to establish as a, as a, I don't want to speak for you, but as a DM that I feel does a lot of homebrew campaigns on his regular time, establishing that, Yes, players can also homebrew. Oh, yeah. The, it, um, I, I try to let people know right out of the gates, like, look, this is, we are all telling this story. Like, I'm laying the bones, but you guys are going to shape it. Um, and, and and that's the way I want it. You know, I, I want curveballs uh, to my story. Otherwise, I'd be bored. I know everything that's going to happen. I want some surprises. Um, and I, I want players to come to me with weird requests, like, hey, maybe I was, maybe I'm a sorcerer who was cursed and, you know, I, I can't get warm. So all my fire magic is actually ice. I'm like, yeah, we can do that. Like bring your weird stuff. It's, you know, we're, we're telling a story together. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, additionally within this, um, this sort of category, um, I think I brushed over it a little bit, but uh, it's good to just talk about some general campaign and, and setting knowledge that the characters should know, uh, you know, more than likely we're not entering into this blindly. The characters probably have, some knowledge, even if it's lightly peripheral, about 
some of the major conflicts, a little bit of knowledge about the world. You know, what are some important things to know, some important factions? What's the government like? What sort of, you know, all that sort of like general world knowledge that the character should know. And then maybe there's some character specific information. You know, it, it, are you running the kind of campaign where everybody gets to know one very specific thing about the world as sort of this secret that they know for some reason that they can work into their backstory? Or is there a rumor that they heard um, that is specific to them or based on their their character's backstory, the section of the world they came from? What is something specific that they would know that isn't general knowledge? You know, good to bring that up and talk about that. And it doesn't have to be, you know, if it's character specific info, um, you can take them aside, especially in the days we're doing this online, really easy to hop into a private discord channel, for example, and just lay it out and say, here's the stuff that your character knows, or even just send them a, you know, a message about what they know. Yeah. That's going to be Britain's life in a couple, uh, sessions, uh, when the players finally go to where he's, his character is from to where he knows everything and they don't. Um, and I think that's makes the game more interesting of like, where's your character from? Okay. You know who the ruler is of this land. You know how the laws work, but if you're from somewhere else, you might not. And you know, I think that's intriguing. Yeah. I still have that four or five page document of the who's who of this country. <laughs> oh <boy. laughs> I'm going to be referencing that. Yeah. I'm so sorry. I made it so long in hindsight. I probably should have toned that down some. I was just yes, really... of course I know you. <laughs> Looking at your face, I can tell that your name is this. And hold on. your backstory flip, 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 is this. <laughs> yeah, hold on while I just sit here and... Ah, I found it. There it of is. Of course. It, it eluded me for a minute. Yeah, that was I, I was a little uh, overzealous that day for sure. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm so excited. It's going to be it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, and then and then lastly, as we've talked about, um, you know, the social contract, the game mechanics. You roll up these characters, talked about some stuff that they know. Let's continue all this excitement and have a have a mini session. Let's role play. Let's roll some dice. Maybe get into some combat. Um, we're we're excited about our characters. These new things I get to do now. Let's play them. And uh, you know, it doesn't have to be related to the campaign. You know, if if we're lucky, maybe it will have a little bit of relevance. Um, it's a good time just to test drive your character, see how they work, role playing with them a, li a little bit, play around with your character. And uh, something you mentioned uh, uh, the other night, Jamel, is it's a, a great time if you're a new player, it's a great time to review certain rules in combat, how things work. Be reminded of the, the way that things work if you're unsure. Yeah, this is something I didn't do last time that I really should have, was have like a mini combat. And it's just like you said, even if it's a part of the story or not, like I could have done... A quick like you guys are all in this tavern um someone starts a fight just so people get a, a taste of rp and a taste of combat um it's something i would uh, in future session zeros i would definitely include it especially for those new players who don't know how combat works or for those veterans who haven't played with me before um know how i like to run combat and or how i describe things and and how they play as well we can really get a feel for each other and what kind of stories we're trying to tell yeah and it's it's a real low stakes session right it's we're not going to see player deaths in tpks right it's super yeah. low stakes i mean i mean you could you never know you could. <laughs> yeah if you're playing a brutal game maybe you're like i want to set the tone now by killing someone in session zero and <laughs> hopefully you let them come back for session one I know. and you're like okay, yeah, that thing just a that thing you just spent the last two hours making well guess <laughs> guess what I mean, maybe that's how your game starts. Maybe all of your characters die, and then they wake up in the underworld. 
Yeah. And that's how it all starts. Oh, that could be. That's, a, that's not a bad story there. Yeah. I, I've been holding on to that nugget for a while because I was a little scared that you were going <laughs> to use it and kill all of our characters. And then we wake up in the underworld. However, now that I'm mentally prepared for that, I think that could work. <laughs> it could, yeah, cool, it could yeah. be a cool story. It's not something that I'm going to do in my next campaign. But after that, you, you it, it definitely might pop up. And if so, I'll give you credit. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And I, I have done both uh, approaches. One session zero that was uh, a little bit of relevance to the setting and one that was really had nothing to do with the setting. Either one of those is totally fine. They were both satisfying. It's just fun to get into character, roll some dice, have some combat, try out a persona. If you're wanting to delve into getting more into your character and even trying out a voice if you want to, this is a super low stakes safe space to try whatever you want out and, and see what works, what fits, what feels good. Absolutely. And I think, you know, don't be afraid that your voice is going to sound silly. Most of us are not, you know, great at dialects. Um, don't be afraid. At, at my table, all dialects and crazy voices are welcome. Um, and if you're... And they've changed, too, like, throughout oh, yeah. the campaign. If you're like, yeah, this kind of hurts my voice. I just don't... I'm not feeling it. This is their voice now. <laughs> For sure. And, and sometimes... Sometimes they change naturally, like the character voice just changes over time and they, you know, gets a little more um, involved or a little more realistic or not realistic. And either option is fine. And for those DMs, I think like just a smidge of advice, if you're one of those DMs that does want everyone to do voices, you know, don't be afraid to look a little silly yourself. Um, I do voices all the time that I have no business doing. And, you know, you just got to commit to being like, hey, this is, this is what this person sounds like. Sorry. Oh, yeah. hundred um, percent. This is their voice now. Yeah. If, if you as the DM want your players to role play, take that step yourself first. Be willing to look ridiculous and sound ridiculous. And it'll, I think, at least this is the way that I am hoping that it comes across, puts players at ease and go, it makes them think, okay, it's okay to try out something weird. It's not going to be weird, you know, because he's already made it weird and I can't really be any worse than that. Right. And also anything weird is memorable. Yeah. You're going to have campaigns where, Oh yeah, I remember this NPC. He's the one with the funky voice and the hump on his back. I'm going to go see this guy again. All of, I have to talk to him. All of my NPCs that get a lot of love all have the dumbest voices. Something that I meant to throw away. <laughs> and then characters, re- players responded to them so much that I was like, I'm going to bring this person back. <laughs> so yeah, don't be afraid of that stuff. Um, but also like, if you don't want to do a voice, that's fine too. Totally Even fine. if you want to act heavily and not do a voice, you want to RP. Um, that's, that's great. I, the last campaign, Britain, you were in this campaign as well, where we had a friend run. And she didn't do voices, or, or she, she would, like, kind of change her tone, but didn't do voices. And I still had a great time in that campaign and still felt like we were RPing very heavily, and that's also very fine. Absolutely. Yeah, her distinction between her character in the previous one and now, I'm like, oh, your voice is the same, but your tone and the pauses in between your sentences, like, is 100% different. Mm-hmm. This is a whole different character. There's a lot of ways to make NPCs interesting and memorable without doing character voices. And maybe that could be a topic for a future episode. But certainly, you don't have to do voices as a DM. Don't feel pressure. You can run it however you feel comfortable. Hundo. So, Hundo P. 
Um, all right, to, to wrap it up to our last point, guys, um, what's one thing you want to make sure that uh, you see in your next session zero, either as a DM or as a player? Um, for me, I said it before, and it, it didn't really click until I said it. Um, I really, really want to see player roles discussed. I thought that was a really great point that you brought up, Jamel. I never really thought about it because it just kind of, we slipped into our roles naturally. I would love to see that in my next session zero. If anybody wants to pipe up and say, hey, I always play banker when I play Monopoly. So I'm going to play banker if that's okay with everybody else. If your characters would do that, I will definitely hold on to funds and keep track of that. Um, I know for me personally, I will probably always be like, yeah, I'm going to, I'm the note taker. I will write down everything for everybody. So I would love to see those kind of hashed out or at least discussed in the next session zero to see people's comfort levels. For sure. For me next time, I definitely, again, uh, this is calling back on what Jaron said and what I didn't do was include any combat, like a quick combat last time just to get those new players used to the rules so they don't feel so out of the loop in session one um, when, when it matters a little more. I definitely would do that. Also, my next uh, campaign is going to Histories of like families is going to be very important. So that's something we're going to have to talk about a lot um, that oh, I'm going to want to do at session zero of like, okay, where are you from and what's your family's name and what have they done? So that's something I'll have to kind of warn my players before they get there. Like, think about this. A, a session before the session zero. A little bit of a Yeah, a homework. quick like text. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, homework, which I hate to give for D&D because it is a game about fun. But next time I think I'm going to do just a smidge of homework. Yeah, yeah, but to the, to counter that, a lot of some some players really enjoy that. Let me go and like write a long backstory for my character and finish flesh out all the details that you know maybe aren't immediately relevant. Some some players Absolutely. really like that. It's something that I love to do, but I I know I have some players that are like, please don't make me do any homework. Well, for me, um, one thing that I definitely want to do next time um, in my next session zero as a DM is this falls into the category of communication. But I just want to pose the question to players. Uh, what's one thing that you really like about D&D, what you like doing in the game, and what's one thing you don't really get excited about? Um, this is uh, prompted from Matt Colville's video on player types. Um, I want to know, like, what is it about D&D that gets you excited? You know, when someone told you about the game um, and you're like, ooh, that sounds really interesting, I want to give that a try. What was that thing? Was it you know, talking about these really epic battles and, you know, hitting somebody with a sword for a bunch of damage? Was it discovering some really cool magic items that were kind of broken? Uh, or was it these really interesting narratives that kind of could be like best-selling fiction, but you wanted to be a part of that? You know, I, I want to know that. What's something you don't really get excited about so I can maybe try to find a compromise with all the players and shy away from that thing? Or, um, you know, if you're the type of player that doesn't really like the spotlight and you just are coming to be a part of the story. I'll know not to have a lot of NPCs engage directly with you because it's not going to be, it's going to make you uncomfortable and make it not a fun time for you. You know, if you're a type of player that all you want to do is that one cool thing in combat, I'll make sure to allow for that to happen. And, you know, when it's your turn and you want to hit the Elder Splats from 600 feet away, let's do it. And, you know, as the, as the DM, I might gonna i'm gonna um be a little controversial here but i might fudge it a little bit so that you do get that satisfying kill on on the bad guy with your elders blast or at least i'll try to narrate something that is still satisfying even if it's a mess you know i just want to know what what people like doing in the game and what they're not really excited about what makes them bored basically for me personally i love rp and i'm kind of bored of the combat you know 
Um, players are different, and I, I just want to have that dialogue and find out what I can do to make it a good game for everybody. That's really good. I'm I'm definitely going to do that now. Um, that's a great series of questions to ask. Cool. Um, all right. Well, I, I think that brings us to the end. And anybody have any closing final thoughts on session zeros? Hopefully, we <laughs> covered enough so that uh, if you're listening, you got enough out of this and uh, know what to do next time or are excited about your next session zero. They are fun. There's a lot of points. There's a lot of you know house meeting stuff to talk about, but they are fun. They're ultimately a good time. Yeah. Um, I know that we just went down like we broke through all the serious stuff, but my last point about session zeros would be like you know have a good time while doing it. Um, it's almost like a little mini party before you guys get to work telling a story. Um, don't be afraid to bring some snacks, you know. Um, it, at the end of the day, uh, we're, we're talking about a game that we all love because we have so much fun while playing it. So just remember to have fun, have a good time, and uh, get ready to join some fun communities. Yeah, I would say to players, bring your excitement your engagement, and your imagination to all Session Zeros. Let everybody know that you're here to play and have fun, and that will ultimately bring other players into the story with you. And I think as much um, as DMs are open to players, I do think players should be receptive to other players and DMs, so I think a Session Zero is fantastic for that. You know, this, this possibly could be the first time describing your character and you get to let the party not only know you as a character, but you as a player and how it's going to roll. And I think those can be really great opportunities and, you know, great ways to make friends. 100%. All right, gang. Well, uh, that uh, I think it's going to do it for our show. Jamil, thank you so much for stopping by. Um, listeners, uh, thanks for uh, checking out the episode. If you If you like this, Please be sure to check out our future episodes, which we release every Wednesday at 12 p.m. Central. Next week, we're going to be returning to the content in Tasha's Cauldron of Everything as we take a look at the section on group patrons. This has been Discussions and Dragons. I'm Jaren. And I'm Britton. We'll see you next time. Thanks so much for having me.